Well, good afternoon, and welcome to Let's Talk, The Pastor is In. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, well, the program's designed for someone like me. There's a lot I don't understand. Now, it doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might be something that just occurred to me. And rather than getting into a deep theological verse-by-verse discussion, I find that a casual front porch style talk of the pastor's often the best way to understanding. That's what this program's all about. Today's guest is Bill Swirla of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. Now, I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. Now, you can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program at area code 314-821-0850, anywhere in the St. Louis area, or toll-free at 800-730-2727, anywhere in North America. Well, Bill, it's Christmas time, sort of, so to speak. It is. Happy, happy 12th day of Christmas. Ah, yeah. Get, getting ready for, getting ready for 12th night, uh, which uh, if you want the spirit of that, we should probably all go and read Shakespeare's 12th night. Well, you know, I've always wondered about that. You know, we got the song on the first day of Christmas, blah, blah, blah. What are yeah. the 12 days of Christmas? How did that start? Well, <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I, I thought, when I first heard I about have, it, I thought, oh I boy, that means you got no, presents for 12 days running. That's not I the case. I have no idea. Um, the, the uh, part of it, I think, is just fortuitous. First of all, first of all, did you have a nice Christmas? <laughs> we got to dispense <laughs> yeah, well, with yeah, some. Yeah, a little background we, we, work here. We, we just, what is this, man? We're just cutting right to the chase here. Yeah, that's not like It us. usually takes us 20 minutes to get to the point. What, what, so how, did you have a good Christmas? Well, we did have a white Christmas, and in fact, the temperature. Well, yeah, I see that. Oh, yeah. I see that. And in fact, you, the temperature are... has been below freezing ever since. We're not supposed to get above freezing before Sunday. And uh, so you're cold and snowy. It is cold and snowy, which I don't suppose you're experiencing out in Southern California. No, no, we 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 are not. Uh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we're, we're we're anticipating with actual great, um, um, a lot of um, excitement, rain potentially next week. So I, I have to get up and clean my gutters and batten down some hatch. We have we have not seen a drop of rain since February. Oh wow. Well, so I remember that's, that's that's how things roll out here. Yeah, well, I remember when I lived in Palm Springs. Uh, they said our average rainfall there was less than five inches a year. Its problem was it usually came oh, yeah. at once. Yeah, it, but no, you do get those monsoonal rains, which are oh. just a disaster yeah. in themselves. Well, of course, you you know about all of our fires. And, oh yeah, uh, and boy, with all that uh, all that coverage burned away, there's going to be mudslides and all sorts of really yeah. bad things this spring for California. Yeah, the, the, in fact, they're they're really concerned about next week's uh, rains because there's they're supposed to be actually fairly heavy, um, which is welcome on the one hand, but with these newly burned areas and and that that uh, Thomas fire, so named, mm-hmm. uh, covered a lot of acreage, unprecedented amount of acreage. In fact, we just drove by there a few days ago. We, my wife and I, were up uh, in the central coast for a little post uh, Christmas New Year's kind of uh r and r and so we drove past ventura and uh and the southern part of santa barbara and saw a lot of a lot of the hillsides the scorched hillsides 
And uh, you, you realize why that fire spread so far. There's nothing there. It's just grass. It's very, it's, there's very little to burn, actually. So it's going to move very quickly, driven by wind, because it, there's not all that much to burn. So it, it burns out in a given area very quickly, but it spreads well, incredibly part of the, fast. Part of the problem, I remember, um, actually, I was in in Ventura County back in 85 when we had the Wheeler fire. And I remember talking to some forestry officials there, and they said one of the big problems was that uh, they weren't allowed to do any of these controlled burns. Uh, And there was a dry chaparral that just literally explodes when it catches fire. It hadn't burned in like 50 years when that happened. And boy, it was just explosive. And, you know, a lot of it is, uh, it's, Everything from uh, environmental laws to endangered species that they don't want to do the burns. But, you know, the, the Chumash Indians used to um, inhabit that area. They used to burn the valleys up there, you know, regularly, like every 10 years. They knew what they were doing. Oh, I- Absolutely. I, and part of it, the, the burns are essential for some of the natural, the, mm. the uh, native vegetation to reproduce. Oh, if yeah. they don't have the heat of fire, uh, the seeds don't germinate. And so there's a whole, we, you know, because it's such a populated area, because we have, we are inhabiting what used to be basically desert wild, a coastal desert, uh, you know, this this is that uh, this uneasiness. This is life in the wilderness. This, this ain't the garden. I'm telling you right now. You know, this is life in the wilderness, and and the wilderness is the wilderness ain't happy about us being here. And so there's always kind of that that cost. You don't you don't want to burn these beautiful hillsides, but at the same time, if you don't, then you're just kind of biding time, and that's that's what happened. But yeah, the, if if the if the rains hit hard. Uh, there is nothing holding the ground in place, and that's going to be disaster. That's like disaster part two, the sequel. Oh, yeah, and, and, yeah. And in many ways, it's worse because uh, these hills are destabilized, and, and they just come down in a river of mud. It, it's just a, a huge mess. So uh, keep uh, keep the coastlands in, in your prayers because it ain't over yet. No, and I, I remember uh, we had a bad mudslide in Ventura back uh, before I left. And yes. uh, there was a family was actually killed when the mudslide yeah. actually destroyed their house. And then up in La Conchita, which is a little bit north, you probably drove by it on your way up to Santa Barbara. Yeah, we, we see that. We, 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 you know, you can see that from the freeway. You still could see where that, that whole side of the hill just literally came down. Oh, yeah, and several people were killed there when that happened. Yeah. So, yeah. I, Look for it so this that's, time uh, that's what we have to look forward to. But uh, well, locally, Merry Christmas con- to you too, <laughs> that, that, and a Happy New Year. Um, the the uh, now we had a, congregationally we had a wonderful Christmas, ah. and uh, and so and it was you know, we we've just finished re- renovation of our sanctuary a few months ago, so it was all sparkly and new for Christmas. Oh. Really looked nice and. Uh, as so that 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 was that was that was a treat, and uh, I the the positioning this year of Christmas on a Monday and New mm. Year's on a Monday made it nice to get away a little bit too, and so my wife and I had a chance to get up to the Central Coast and basically you know drink wine and eat and basically do nothing for a few days. It was very refreshing. Well, that's pretty much what I did during the holidays. You know, the Christmas came on Monday and. Uh, and I was actually off the entire week, and uh, my wife was as well. So we just sat around, we ate and looked at the birds, and I drank a lot of beer, and we watched some movies, and I drank some beer, and then we ate some more, and I drank some more beer, and that's really not a bad way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But- the... Um- 
Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I was just... okay. I was going to say, you know, actually, it, it was kind of a fun, it really was a fun Christmas. I gave my wife a, what we call an arrow garden, which is kind of, it's a hydroponic garden. Andy Bates, our um, our uh, program director here, has a, has a couple of these arrow gardens in his little work area. And, and I mean, just, these plants are just growing all over. It's like the day of the Triffids, you know, just taking over his office space. I, I'm not, I'm not going to ask what kind of plants, you know, we, we do, a, we do a lot of, we do a lot of indoor gardening here in California, but uh, it's, it's kind of a very industry specific, if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just, we'll just say your wife's herb garden, leave it yes, at that. That's yeah. kind of that. Yeah. Well, she was very pleased with that. You know, the, the big, her big one now is basil. I finally got the little, take the little dome off because the sprouts are coming up. Uh, and uh, my brother and I have this sort of a tradition. Uh, you know how some families always send the fruitcake back and forth? Oh, oh yes, the, the, the fruitcake, a.k.a. doorstop. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, what we've been doing for the last few years has been sending uh, sending a, a, a camouflage Snuggie <laughs> back and forth. And so I gave, it's my turn to give him this camouflage Snuggie, and I'll probably get it again next year. And, you know, one of our family traditions is we always have to write a poem that uh, hints at what's in the package. So I started oh. out by saying it wasn't a fruitcake. Oh, you're nice. Yeah, so a little creativity goes on as well. So yeah, well, yeah, it is. It is the twelfth day of Christmas, and and I'm thankful that we uh, I made it because I still I haven't given my staff their gift yet. So I'm gonna as soon as we're as soon as we sign off here, I've got to wrap their gift and distribute it before Christmas season runs out. That so, would probably but be a good thing for a pastor to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, they they know how <laughs> they know how I feel about gifts. You know how when you receive a gift that's unexpected and you say you shouldn't have. <laughs> I, I mean it. I, I when I, I I mean that because uh, I I just I do not have the the time for shopping or the imagination or anything else. And so I really mean it when I say, oh, you shouldn't have. But uh, I decided to give everybody a book this year. Oh, okay. So I, gotta, I, I have to wrap them. But uh, uh, yeah, but you asked at the start with great haste and, yeah. and, and presumably a lot of interest about you know, what's this deal of 12 <laughs> days yeah. of Christmas. But and I, I, wanted, the, I wanted to digress. Just one, just one more story before we get well, into why, the meat here. Why not? Why you know, not? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we still got another five minutes to go before we we're, wasted we're not, twenty. We're not. We're not in a hurry. Yeah. It's cold. It's co <laughs> baby. It's cold out. So oh, we're, we're, we're not. We're not in a hurry. Uh, well, you know, the uh, the Senate had our own Christmas party, and we went out to uh, a very nice. Uh, <laughs> that makes me nervous at many many levels. <laughs> well, <laughs> one of the things was. Uh, uh, you know, the whole everybody came there. The whole everybody from the IC was at this event, and uh, the lady uh, who was running the thing uh, invited President Harrison up uh, to the podium, and she said, "You know, President Harrison, last time last year, you said that we shouldn't get you any any gift." And President Harrison goes, "I said that." <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't I don't I don't recall that. <laughs> yeah, so, so they they what they did was they gave the present to his wife, which was a gift certificate to a restaurant. But the expression nice. and on, on on Matt's face was I said that. Yeah, right. <laughs> right not so. not not remembering this. Yeah, not, not remembering this at all. So uh. yeah, so the twelve the twelve days of Christmas. I I don't know the the history of that that little ditty. Uh, you know, which, uh, you know, uh, I love that. 
um, the 12 Days of Christmas, the little Carol Diddy thing, uh, just because they're they're always totaling up what the value of that yeah. is. You know, which I, have, I haven't checked it for 20, 2017. It'd be 20, well, 2017, 2018, but, uh, you know, who knows what the value of that, those gifts are in the Trump era. But, but we, you know, I, but I digress. Uh, some some try to attach uh, Christian significance to it, but everything that I've seen, it, that's pretty much of a long reach. <laughs> um, Twelfth Night, and uh, Twelfth Night is actually um, one of those those recycled paganisms, <laughs> and and I think I think the whole thing actually uh, is what uh, my favorite author on all things uh, Christmas, uh, Clement Miles. I, I want to recommend this book to uh, your listeners. Uh, Clement A. Miles, uh, the book is entitled Christmas, Customs and Traditions, Their History and Significance. Yeah. Um, and this was published a long time ago. There's never been anything quite like it since. Um, it's now published under the Dover imprint. Uh, but I'm trying to see when the first publication, uh, the Dover uh, version was published in 1976, but this is much older than that. And um, let's see, preface, uh, he didn't date his preface. But but this is a detailed, originally published by T. Fisher Unwin in 1912 under the title Christmas in Ritual and Tradition, Christian and Pagan. So, uh, but but I believe uh, Miles was British and loved all things Christmas, and he's certainly not into deconstructing Christmas by any stretch. But this is an encyclopedic uh, treatment of all things winter and Christmas and all these customs that we have and uh, where they come from and how they're celebrated in different countries. I, I really, it, it is entertaining reading. It, it's wonderful. I, I break it out every year. I've never read it all the way through, but but it's Clement A. Miles' Christmas Customs and Traditions, uh, by uh, published by Dover. So um, anyway, he uh, but he and and many other people who study this basically uh, say that these are kind of what 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 uh, Miles calls pagan survivals. The, these are these are you know old old paganisms the paganism long died but the the celebrations and the the kind of the rhythms remained so in medieval times and in tudor times twelfth night actually marked the end of winter oh i didn't know that yeah winter started <clears throat> on october 31st with all hallows eve or halloween and it ended at uh, on on twelfth night well i got to tell and, you from where i'm looking we're not nowhere yeah, near no, the end of winter nowhere nowhere in sight um and and twelfth night as as shakespeare picks up very nicely twelfth night is kind of um it's a, it's it's a magic weird night it's an upside down night um, and so, uh, there, and there are all kinds of sort of customs that have, uh, you know, grown up around 12th night, including wassailing, uh, uh, in, in, in Britain, people go wassailing, which is, uh, kind of basically a drinking game, uh, on 12th. It's a party night. Big here party we go, night. wassailing. Yes. Yes. And you were, you were to prepare these huge vats of alcoholic beverages for the wassailers who came around, uh. Uh, uh, wassailing and expecting their bowl to be filled, they they would go around with these birch bowls, and you you ladle out your your warm your basically like a rum toddy or something like that. And I imagine that the wassailing got more creative as the night went on. You know, as as, as all thing as all customs uh, like that go. 
Um, there was also, uh, the, the day was celebrated with rich cakes made with eggs and butter and fruit and nuts and spices, probably somewhat as similar to the fruit cake that you, uh, you described. Uh, I'm reading here that the Italian panettone, uh, this, that big high, that sort of like top hat sort of cake, uh, is probably what an old 12th night cake looked like. Um, and apparently, and this is interesting, apparently this is the day when you start hiding things in cakes. Hiding so the things? 12th, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, so to get the, the prisoners so they get a hacksaw and cut, out, cut the way the out? The 12th night cake had hidden in it uh, two tokens, one for a man, one for, one for a woman, uh, the, in the form of little crowns or, or something of this sort. Uh, for the king and the queen of the Twelfth Night Party. So if oh. your piece had the crown, then you were the king and the queen of this this uh, this revelry for the night. Oh, see. I never heard of that. Now, in Hispanic culture, of course, tomorrow is Epiphany, Three Kings Day, the Day of the Three Kings. And so you're baking your Three Kings cake, uh, which has hidden in it a baby Jesus. Um, all of these things, of course, are frowned upon by the American Dental Association, uh, you know, as, as people are cracking crowns and molars left and right on these embedded gifts in their cakes and uh, or or choking on them. I can't imagine that this is really a smart idea, but uh, that's uh, that's all part of the Twelfth Night and and uh, Epiphany. Uh, they're all kind of so they're all kind of tied in together. Now, for Christians, of course, we're, we're not going down the pagan route necessarily. No, no. But, but the, but should the old, make that very clear. This is a Lutheran hey, program. the old the old rhythms are there, right? You know, and yeah. and a lot of our calendar has has uh, you know the summer solstice, winter solstice um, uh, rhythm to it uh, as well, and uh, and it, which is itself kind of interesting if you think the summer solstice is the nativity of John the Baptist. And the winter solstice is is the nativity of our Lord, and so uh-huh. he must he must decrease and Christ must increase. And there's all kinds of just wonderful uh, connections that are kind of made. Christianity has this almost infinite capability of picking up old symbols and reinvesting them with meaning. See, so so you know what you have really is you have twelve days between December twenty fifth. And January sixth, and so you gotta you gotta fill it with something. So it's ideal, you know. Twelve is an Israelite number. It's a biblical, yeah, you know, it's a good, tribes, you know. it's a good number in the Bible as opposed to six or six 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 or six sixteen. Those those are not good, but but uh, um, but twelve's good, and so and so it kind of made sense to uh, have that, and and so you have the twelve days of Christmas, uh, probably. Uh, finally popularized in the the little ditty. So we have the first day of Christmas, which of course is of course the birth of Christ Himself, and the twelfth yeah, day is uh, yeah is the is the eve of Epiphany, really. Yeah. So it, it and uh, uh, if you want, there's a feast day for every one of the days, but they don't really make up a twelve twelve days of Christmas. They're just the feast days. Ah. Of, you know, for example, we know January first not as New Year's, but the feast of the naming and the circumcision of our Lord. Um, today, if you know, if you care, is is uh, is uh, the feast of uh, Saint John Newman, uh, the first uh, Catholic bishop in in America. Uh, or, and uh, he, of course, every Newman Center is named after him. <laughs> uh, lived in the 19th century, yeah. but you know we and 
we know we know feast of uh, Saint Stephen, December twenty sixth, the day after Christmas. That got immortalized in Good King Wenceslas. Oh. Da, 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 on the, the Feast of, of Stevens, yeah. Do now, you know in British King... circles, that's Boxing Day. Yes, my brother all likes to celebrate that for some reason. I don't know why. We don't have any English heritage in the family. <laughs> well, he just likes the name. What does he do? That's when he brings the grandkids over to his place and, and gives them all the presents. And Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a visitation day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I think the term boxing, as I understand it, comes from opening up the alms box and yeah. distributing the alms to the poor. So it's kind of a day for the poor, but, you know, what, whatever you do with it. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he always he brings his two sons live very close to where he lives, and so the, the, the sons bring over their families, and they have a sort of a feast, you know, a little shrimp and cheese and smelly sausage, things like that, and... Drink some Akavit. That's another family tradition. Well, yeah, that, and, and that would be that would be suitable uh, for Twelfth Night as well. I would ah. imagine the, uh, but but yeah. So these these festivals of light and darkness and and winter and stuff. Yeah, they they have uh, in in a lot of cultures. Um, and you know, this is this is a northern hemisphere centric approach, obviously. Because everything is flipped in the southern hemisphere, you know. So uh, everything that we're talking about about winter and darkness yeah. it just makes no sense to our Aussie friends. You know, they're they're out basking in the warmth, and uh, and and all of our listeners in Antarctica. At, uh, <laughs> they're probably not basking in warmth in Antarctica. <laughs> Actually, it's probably pretty warm right now. Uh, because. So. Um, but these are these are uh, a lot of these things are symbol cultural symbols that have been just kind of taken up and invested mm -hmm. with with meaning. Um, well, you know, I, I have heard some criticisms from non Christians about how all we all we're doing really are, are taking pagan paganism and uh, bending it to uh, to us. But you raised an interesting point about this is one of the things about Christianity where we can do this. Well, you know, it's a, it's part of a bigger topic of symbol. And and uh, I was just talking to my Bible class about this a couple of weeks ago. Is, is symbol? That's symbol is different from sacrament. Uh, a sacrament is a form of the word God establishes it, you know, and, and He defines the terms. But a symbol is is something that represents something, and we control its meaning. Yeah. So if you lose control of the symbol, then somebody's going to pick it up and use it for something because it's there, you know. And so, um, so I, that's why. And I was telling people that that's why we have to be very cognizant and careful and thoughtful about our stewardship of our symbols, like say the cross or the, the liturgical days. You know, and and the, the discussion came up because Advent four happened to be Christmas Eve. But yeah. it's symbolically sloppy to celebrate an eve in the morning because eve does mean evening, you know. And so I said, you know, it's Advent 4 in the morning and it's Christmas Eve after the sun goes down. And, and I, I made the case for stewardship of the symbol that if you treat it as if it doesn't mean anything, then it won't mean anything anymore. And then others will come in and do with it whatever they please because you let go of its meaning. See, and, and so that's why I think uh, we have to guard our Christian symbols uh, closely and, and understand what they mean and explain what they mean and use them with meaning. Well, for example... Uh, we otherwise, have, we'll lose them. 
Yeah, well, for example, the idea of, uh, of Christ's birth in winter. I mean, this winter is the hardest time. We are undergoing many, many difficulties. And here's this hope. It comes to us on Christmas. And Easter, of course, springtime, rebirth, resurrection. Right, and, and there's there's a lot of conversation about, do we know when Christ was born? And the, the answer is, historically speaking, no, we don't. Um, there's, there's theological significance to December 25th. Uh, I think it was Augustine who reminded us uh, that it's no accident. It's not just simply a, a pagan survival, as Miles puts it. Uh, but that there was this this very old Jewish tradition that a prophet died on his conception day. Ooh. See, and and so nine months before December twenty fifth would be, uh, if I'm not mistaken, March twenty fifth. Would that be correct uh, or April? I mean, but anyway, you know, the, the <laughs> somewhere in there, and that would coincide very well with a Passover and the death of Christ. That we have kind of pinned down. We know it occurs at a Passover within a certain range of years. See, so historically, we've kind of got a beat on that one. And and so Augustine points out that according to that tradition, it would make perfectly good sense to celebrate the birth of Christ nine months after his death day. And so December 25th fit the bill well, uh, quite well also, as did January 6th. It all depends on where you, where you date Easter. So perhaps that lay behind it too and it's not as pagan as we thought it was interesting i had not i'd never heard that but you know regardless it, nobody's trying to be historical and factual you know you don't run this one through a fact checker it's it's of theological significance not of factual uh you know and, and symbols are like that they tend to be a bit loose in the facts department um but they they're rich in meaning and they invite conversation and explanation and very often enactment. You have to do something. You bring the tree into the house. You decorate the tree. Now, when the little child asks, Papa, why do we do this? You better have a decent explanation, mm. you know, even if we just like it and it smells good. You know, that practice is an old practice in the middle of winter. Get some life into your house, you know. it's, <laughs> it's But... But Christians found the tree symbol to be very, very uh, beneficial. You know, the tree, the, the apple tree, the tree of life, uh, the trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of the cross. You know, there's a lot of tree imagery in the Bible. So this was a, this was a natural. Huh. Well, we've got to take a little break here, Bill. And uh, as soon as we come back, we'll continue this discussion. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 1. Each weekday, the servants of God at the LCMS International Center gather together to receive the gifts of God in His Word. I invite you to join us weekdays, 10 a.m., for a live broadcast of daily chapel services on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. 
Live Friday on Issues Etc. We'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Year. You can listen in advance and vote at facebook.com slash issues etc. The listener with the best vote will receive each of the Issues Etc. Books of the Month for 2017. Facebook.com slash issues etc. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. On the next Law and Gospel, we are continuing our trip into the Epiphany. What has Jesus saying to Nathaniel that you are an Israelite in whom there is no deceit? What has that got to do with the Epiphany? We'll talk about it on the next broadcast. Weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. According to Matthew 2.11, the Magi found the child Jesus with his mother, and they offered him gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. The Day of Epiphany, from the Greek, meaning manifestation, is, for many Christians, the celebration of the baptism of Jesus or the visitation of the Magi, and officially marks the end of the Christmas season. Some churches also celebrate the season of Epiphany, beginning on January 6th and extending until Lent. In Spanish-speaking communities, Epiphany is known as Dia de los Reyes, Three Kings Day, a day for children and families to gather together in a festive time of welcoming the coming of the three kings to see the baby Jesus. Engage with the Bible in the celebrations surrounding this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen, and the pastor today is the Reverend Bill Swiller, who, Swirla. I mispronounced that one. He's going to yell at me for that. You've <laughs> offended all the Ukrainian listeners out there now. <laughs> well, at least we got one in California. <laughs> Three of them, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you have any questions out there and you want to talk to us, call us in the St. Louis area at area code 314-8210-850 or anywhere in North America at 0800-730-2727. Bill and I are talking about various things relating to, Christ- to Christmas. This is, of course, the 12th day of Christmas we're coming up to and uh, the end of the Christmas season, the beginning of Epiphany. A lot of symbolism going on and a lot of tradition. One of which I was just reminded of with that break with the Museum of the Bible when they were talking about the visit of the uh, of the Magi and their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What's frankincense? What's myrrh? Gold, I know. <laughs> yeah, gold we know. <laughs> uh, frankincense is, is the resin. Uh, it's it's a uh, it, it's it's the the basically when when you burn incense that's the that's the pure resin of sap and uh and myrrh is a, a an an oil an anointing oil um there's another good example of of something whose symbolism we don't know uh preachers and and you know pe- people we try to invest meaning in it. so uh and and i think um we three kings of Orient are, you know, incense owns a deity nigh, so incense for his divinity, for Christ's divinity, gold for his his kingship, and myrrh for his suffering. Uh, you know, it's a burial spice and or burial 
things. So, you know, we we invest meaning. Uh, Matthew does not uh, unpack the meaning of that. He he attaches no significance to that in his narrative. Um, in fact, he doesn't attach much significance to the event other than it happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, Christmas was not a, a big event in, in much of Christianity. The big thing was it was Easter. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, not, not, until, not until about 3rd, 4th century yeah. you begin to see Christmas uh, as, as, as a feast day. Well, you know, the, the mention of myrrh, that, that brought back memory to me. Uh, I think in the, uh, the gospel, they're, they're talking about Good Friday and the crucifixion. Wasn't Jesus offered wine that was mingled, that had myrrh mingled into it prior to the crucifixion? Yeah, yeah. There's some some um, narcotic laced wine, um, with, and as I said, myrrh is, is is a both a perfume and a burial spice. So so there's a natural association to his death um, in that. Uh, probably the best, uh, and the other the other interpretation that I I had seen was you know these guys are astrologers probably from Babylon. And uh, by the way, that's how we get three. It's from the gifts. There's no uh, recorded number in Matthew how many visited, but the three. Nor they're not kings. They're they're magoi, uh, probably best understood as astrologers, stargazers. Yeah, sorcerers. Yeah, in in the in that sense. Uh, yeah. But and and it's I, I find it fascinating that God provides them with a sign appropriate to them. Uh, the star, you know, we sometimes get the whole narrative all jumbled up and we think that a star appeared to the shepherds and then, but the star appeared uniquely to these, these astrologers, uh, which kind of goes back to, to Genesis, you know, the sun, moon and stars are there not only to denote the times and the seasons, but also to serve as signs. And so there was something that they saw that that caught their in, that caught their interest and told them that uh, that a king had been born. And so out of curiosity, they went uh, to yeah, they went to the capital and Herod's palace to see if he <laughs> see the kid. You know? yeah. and, and Herod Herod goes, "What kid?" <laughs> you know? And it's kind of interesting that that they they the 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 star uh, gets them to to Israel and gets them to Jerusalem, but it's the word of the prophet that gets them to Bethlehem. And then, then of course, the, the event, whatever it is they saw, it reappears to confirm that they're in the right place and they find the child, not a baby, not in a manger. He's in a house. He's a child, so probably a couple of years old, sort of toddler-type Jesus. Um, and then they open their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's the narrative. And and uh, some say that that's like the tools of their trade, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But I, I, I don't really get that either. So, you know, that's kind of the repentant magi. They give up their paganism and they leave Christian. Um, okay. Um, well, part of that, the, well, part of that to me at any rate was, you know, the these were obviously not Jews. No, they're Babylonians. They're Babylonians. But <laughs> and, the, the, and let's revel in that, you know? I yeah. mean, Israel Israel went to Babylon in exile. Now Babylon's coming to Israel. Yeah, and the fact that they re- they recognized that the birth was for them as well as for the Jews. Yes, so yes, I, I, and, and that's, so that's why Epiphany is sometimes called the Christmas of the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. You know, the nations, the light shining into the darkness. And so... Uh, you know, there's there's this kind of there's a very strong mission, uh, you know, to the ends of the earth, yeah, uh, kind of theme to Epiphany. 
Yeah, that's it's a beautiful symbol. It really is, and I love the concept of symbolism itself. And uh, it, there's so much going on that reminds us of of God's mercy and of God's wonders. And it's certainly with the Christmas season, especially, we see these things. I mean, right now, we still have our, our Christmas tree in the studio. I'm looking at it right now. And uh, there's a concept for the evergreen. You know, it, it's always there, the eternity of God. Yeah, the, uh, the, the by the way, today's the day you're supposed to start taking the tree down. Yeah, it will. Um, and uh, and now there, there's a later German custom that has the thing up until February 2nd, the presentation of our Lord. But good luck with that. Okay, it's it's if it's real, it's not smelling good. And it's dang, it's dangerous at that yeah. point. Um, ours is getting a little dry at the top, so it's time to move that move that along and move on to the next season. But but uh, today's the day you take your tree down. Uh, there are some um, some customs of burning the tree on Epiphany. Uh, you know, yeah, not, nothing like nothing. Nothing says pagan festival quite like a good bonfire, I say. <laughs> but but you know, a, our air quality management uh, district doesn't allow that, so that ain't happening in our neck of the woods. So we just kind of curb. We, it's we, kind of we a moot point after the fires you've been having. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. We're not going to be having that kind of thing going on. <laughs> um, you know, we, we're liable to have an airdrop of uh, fire retardant uh, if we try try to set that off. But it is, it's also the time, if you have a nativity scene, last time we were on, we talked about nativity scenes. Uh, this is the time that you add your magi and stuff, you know. The, they tend to make a premature appearance in most nativity scenes. Ours, ours have been, been on since the get-go. They've been on scene the whole time. Uh. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. They, I do have them coming in from the east, my nativity scene, our primary one, we have several, but our primary one, uh, which is set on a bookcase, bookshelf, uh, has an east-west axis to it. So uh, the, they do come in fr- from the east, sort of stage left or stage right facing north. But, but they've been around for the whole duration. They, they, they should actually pop in today yeah, or tomorrow. You can kind of line them up today. Well, so. We've already taken down ours here at the IC. The uh, yeah, you, you know what fascinates me about the the Magi is that I, I I sometimes view it as this is the gospel for the scientists, the stargazers. You know, astrology used to be a respectable profession. Um, some of our reformers, like Chemnitz and Melanchthon, were astro- dabbled in astrology too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like pre astronomy, and 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 they took seriously the notion that. That the heavenly bodies served as signs, uh, probably something to that, but but it it, it reminds us that God uh, is very resourceful, and that He uses even the natural world uh, to reveal at least something of Himself that will get you kind of in the vicinity, you know. And so so these guys who are busy studying the movement of stars and looking for their meaning, they weren't trying to figure out how the stars work. They were trying to figure out what it meant, which is that's the difference between astronomy and astrology. Um, and, and God gives them this little nod of, of his king, the king of kings born uh, in, in Bethlehem of Judea. And, and uh, he uses something that they understood something in their world, something that they could interpret. So I, I, I celebrate the resourcefulness of God in, in reaching out to the nations as well. We just got an email from a listener. I want to bounce off you here. Uh, the 
the uh, writer says, right or wrong? He says, I've read the Feast of the Tabernacle was around September the 25th. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. So Christ dwelled as the tabernacle with us, and as September was warmer, why were the shepherds in the field? Well, again, we discussed that. Also, nine months early. December 25th, and possibly Mary being being uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Interesting thoughts. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, and it's interesting that Tabernacles is probably the most, I think it's the most referenced feast in the Old Testament feast in the New Testament. <laughs> you, would, you would think Passover would be, but it isn't. Mm, no Tabernacles. And, and, and so, so, yeah, there's certainly something to that. And again, I think that's a really great illustration um, of what I would call a, a, a theological chronology. That is, it, we're not concerned with when on the calendar it happened. Obviously, they're even using a different calendar than we are anyway. We're not concerned with that, and we're not, like, we're not being like modern historians who are trying to pinpoint the exact day and, and indeed even the hour that he was born. You know, that, that's how we roll today. But but that's a search for theological significance, and and that's a good one. That the tabernacle being the dwelling place of God among men, and and John one fourteen picks up on this very well, using that very word, that the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and and uh, so. But again, there's no indication from uh, the the sparse narratives that we have, and all we have is Luke to work with uh, in terms of precisely when it happened. And, and Luke, as you point and out, Luke in those days... And was not a contemporary the, of Jesus. No. And, and, you know, there's lots of discussion about those first chapters of Luke anyway in terms of, uh, you know, how these are put together. They're written in a different kind of Greek. They're written in this kind of high classical Greek. So it's got this kind of, like, epic feel to it. Um so I'm not saying it's you know it didn't happen that way. I'm just saying that it's it's intentionally written really big, <laughs> you know. But they didn't celebrate they didn't celebrate birthdays. Period. So so it just doesn't like show up on their radar screen. But that's something else I didn't know. The ancient Jews, the ancient Israelites, didn't celebrate birthdays. No, 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 no. You you waited until the the, uh, the you waited until the the story was written. So you celebrated your death day. Oh, joy! Uh, but, <laughs> Happy death. Day you know, I I think you, it, no, I think that's... it's I think it's kind of reflective also of high infant mortality. You know, ah. you kind of there are some cultures they didn't name the kid for uh, you know the the Jews Jesus didn't get his name for seven days. You know, on the eighth day, he got his name. And Luke's very precise in his narrative. He's the child. You know, they, 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 she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. The shepherd saw the child in the manger, the infant. No name. The name comes on the eighth day when mm. he circumcised. But, you know, in these, these times of, of infant mortality and, you know, we don't have sonograms, we don't know the, you know, the, the sex of the child, uh, there's, there's kind of a certain wait and see that goes with with all this. So no, they didn't celebrate birthdays. Wow, I didn't know so, that. You know, yeah. So, well, so, and that's why that's why Christmas is a latecomer on on the on the festival scene. It, it it takes a few hundred years for that to kind of catch on. Well, I learned something today. But I do like the tabernacle significance a lot. 
Um, the thing about the shepherds in the fields, uh, truthfully, that region, they're, they're lambing almost all the time. They happen to be in the fields that particular night, probably watching over newborn lambs. But that's not an indication of season so much as an explanation as to why they're in the fields and not watching in the pens. Normally, you'd bring the flocks in at night. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were remaining out in the fields, presumably because there were lambs that weren't mobile. So... Well, it all comes together. It all comes yeah. together. Yeah, as much as it needs to. You know, the, the, there's something I think glorious about not being able to get sort of the YouTube picture of the story. But but again, it 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 takes on a kind of a deeper a deeper significance where you're reaching for the theology, the underlying meaning. Um, and, and, and so you, you don't get distracted so much by, well, what was Mary wearing that night? Yeah. <laughs> um, and what color were the swaddling cloths? We really want to know this. You know, these are not, these are not relevant. Uh, speaking of irrelevancy or weirdness, I saw a thing where somebody was trying to make a connection between the swaddle Jesus and the practice of swaddling lambs. What? <laughs> yeah, that, that apparently this guy had it figured out. I saw it on some youtube thing around Christmas that this guy had this notion that, that all animals, newborn animals and lambs were swaddled. Um, so I did a little kind of poking around and could not find anything on the swaddling of animals. I've Infants, yes. Com- common worldwide practice even today. You can find this, but but animals know. Now, what he was trying to do was he was trying to make the connection between the lambs being raised in the pasture hillside of Jerusalem, probably mostly for sacrifice, and the lamb born in Bethlehem, you know, the, the lamb of God who takes mm-hmm. away the sin of the world, the shepherds coming to visit the lamb. And, and of course, this is all great, and those connections are, are fine, but swaddling cloths are not go- probably not going to get you there. <laughs> you know, and, but it, these, it lines up really re- in a very cool way. The first worshipers are shepherds. They were tending their lambs. Those lambs were probably raised for sacrifice in Jerusalem. And they're coming to see the sacrificial lamb that God provides uh, in a manger that they probably knew. <laughs> you know, it's it's just like the connections are just they're cool enough, you know. So you don't need that little extra thing. I don't think I don't think that one has much weight. But that's the kind of stuff that I think the narrative and that kind of discussion and it invites that kind of discussion. You know, and I think that's one of the interesting things about the four gospels is that. While they differ in, in small details, they all dovetail together. They all come together, even though they were written by different people, uh, several of them by different times, and it, it all joins. It all well, joins. <laughs> you can say that till you're, you're dealing in this season, and we only have Luke for, mm. for the, 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 the birth narrative. And we have this, this other perspective from Matthew, which is really a Joseph's eye perspective, uh, because um, it's Joseph that gets the these visions and dreams, which is kind of interesting for his Old Testament counterpart who interpreted dreams, but whatever. Um, but and the flight to Egypt and the opposition of Herod, the slaughter of the innocents in Bethlehem, uh, the return to Nazareth, and uh, Matthew's very stylized. You know, these are seven fulfillments. 
you know, these things took place in order to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I've called my son. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. So he's got seven of those. Seven. Go figure. Seven. He's an accountant. He knows his numbers, mm. right? And But the last one's a weird one. So they come back. They settle in Nazareth to fulfill the, pro- the, the, the prophecy, he shall be called a Nazarene. Uh, trouble is Nazareth was unknown in the Old Testament. It didn't exist. <laughs> and there's no prophecy that says that. In fact, the consensus was that nothing good can come from Nazareth. Yeah, I remember hearing so, that. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great, that's one for your kind of homework. Puzzle over that one. Uh, I, I took a wonderful course in Matthew with Jonathan Grothy, Dr. Uh, Jonathan Grothy, one of, one of our finest New Testament exegetes. Um, and we just had a wondrous, wondrous conversation over what this could possibly mean and what Matthew was up to and how this works. And uh, suffice it to say, it's an interesting discussion, but it it, it involves uh, dead foreign languages, which may not be interesting yeah. to some of your listeners. <laughs> well, yeah. But it sounds, it, to, to just kind of like, it, it is, it's probably a pun, but uh, because Nazarene, Notzerene, and Netzer are, they all sound the same. And Netzer is branch and Notzer is watchman. And those are prophetic. Ezekiel was watchman over Israel. Isaiah is branch from the stump of Jesse. So Nazareth could be a play on that. Yeah. So kind of fun. Oh. There are no accidents in God's <laughs> meddling in history. Let's just put it that way. No. Now, we may not understand it, but you got it. It's oh no no no. This it's inexhaustible and and fun. It and is fun in many ways. It is I'm, one of the, one of my favorite things is you know sitting down and 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 actually doing what we're doing. You know, just sitting down and talking about this. And, let, let me let me hit you with a with a, a popular paganism, okay? Because this one's right. fun. So the holly and the ivy. Ah, okay. Uh, very common, you know, we, we know the, the little carol, the holly and the ivy, when they are both full grown. Of all the trees in the wood, the holly bears the crown, right? So this is, this is a paganism because the holly was thought to be a male plant and the ivy a female plant. Mm. See, and, and the, the, the custom was that whatever was brought into the house in midwinter, uh, whether holly or ivy, determined who would rule the house that year. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so ivy, the man would rule the house, or holly, the man would rule the house, ivy, the woman would rule the house. So, you, you, you know, if she's going out uh, picking the greenery, you know what she's bringing in, right? <laughs> well, just FYI, uh, my wife's name is Holly. Ah, so... <laughs> So yeah, so she now, rules. <laughs> now, now the Christian uptake of this is yeah. that the holly represents Christ. Ah, see, and and they saw in the prickly leaves the crown of thorns, and of course the bright red berries, uh, the the blood um, of of Christ. But 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 the ivy then represents Mary. You know, and Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ. See, that's that's in the that's in the Carol. So mm. the holly and the ivy and Mary, and of all the trees in the wood, it's the holly that bears the crown. Ah, uh, got it. 
Yeah, I got it. So okay. don't, don't, you don't, don't, it's not her, it's him. Okay. See? And uh. so, so, you know, again, his lordship, his kingship, his divinity, but, but, but being symbolized by what really was um, a, a paganism. Mm. And, uh, and I think... You know, to me, this doesn't disturb me or my faith in the least. This, this is this is the magnificence of Christianity, is that it doesn't compete with other religions. It just sort of sort of appropriates them all and gobbles them up. You know, this even in the Old Testament, God God even talks like Baal sometimes. You know, He says, "You know, all that stuff you're attributing to Baal, that's me." You know, <laughs> got it. You know, that's Hosea. You know, you guys are worshiping the Baals. Wrong. I'm the one who opens the heavens for rain and shuts them for drought. Don't you get it? You know, there's nobody else but me up here. <laughs> so, well, maybe great. the early Romans were right to fear Christianity. They they saw it, that Christianity would overtake them. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the, you know, the problem was the old paganisms were dying anyway. People knew better than that. And, and, and you know, Constantine, I, he knew what, what side, which side his bread was buttered on. Um, I think he was very progressive looking, recognizing that Christianity would be, would be a unifying religion for the realm. Um, but you know, at the at the waning days of of paganism, the Christians were singled out as basically being unpatriotic because they they weren't doing the Roman customs, they weren't honoring the Roman gods that probably nobody believed in anyway. But but you know, they're just being they're bad for national security if nothing else. They just, they weren't being good Romans, and and so you know, it's like people like not saluting the flag or something today. That's what that's the way Christians were viewed in 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 Roman times is that they weren't taking the knee to to the emperor and and they weren't offering that pinch of incense in his temple and it was just bad for the country and bad for Roman unity. So yeah, that kind of stuff will get you. Yeah. Well, about pagan symbolism, what about the mistletoe? Got to oh, ask mistle- that one. <laughs> I don't know. Let me look it up. By the way, if you want to have some fun, Mm -hmm. um, there's a website called whychristmas.com. It's all run together, whychristmas.com, which kind of is a simplified version of Clement Miles' book. Um, So... Uh, I just pulled, I'm pulling this off of this. uh, Hanging it goes back to the ancient Druids. Ah! Yes, uh, mistletoe is supposed to possess mystical powers to bring good luck to the household. It was also used as a sign of love and friendship among the Norse. Leave it to the Norse, uh, where the custom of kissing under the mistletoe comes from. So you can thank your your Norse, uh, your Norwegians for that one. Uh, when the first Christians came to Western Europe, some tried to ban the use of mistletoe as a decoration in church. But... Like all things, <laughs> it just came on in. <laughs> uh, the, the custom of kissing under mistletoe comes from England. Okay. And the original custom is that a berry was picked from the sprig of mistletoe before the person could be kissed. And when all the berries had gone, that would be the end of the kissing. No more kissing after that. <laughs> okay. Well, Bill, we are running out of it here. You got about 30 seconds to wrap it up, and I'm going to bring up the music underneath you when that happens. Actually, Mistletoe just... is poisonous, by the way, so don't do anything funny with it. Uh, those mystical powers are also deadly. But 
Anyway, enjoy Twelfth Night, the twelfth days of the twelve days of Christmas, and a blessed Epiphany of our Lord as the light shines in the darkness. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Bill. Glad to have you back. Great fun. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with the pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO. I want to give special thanks to Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Laud, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk the Pastor is In. Pastor Bowie's music and books are all available on Amazon.com.